Okay, when we talk about restoring freedom, we have to be careful not to be too romantic about the past. All right, it's one thing to survey how things used to be free, and certainly lessons we learn there we can certainly apply to modern times. Uh, it's another thing, however, to think that the goal is to return everything to the same state it was back. It was in uh, back in in 1776. Um, we can't return to that world. We're not going to. Not socially. Uh, not technologically. Certainly. Uh, culturally, geographically, demographically, economically, it's just not possible. Uh, but there are certainly, as I said, many ideals we can take from that time and restore today, and we should. Uh, after all, liberty and neighborliness, righteousness, things like that don't change over time. Uh, the highest morals and ethics of Christianity don't change. The, the ideals of life, liberty, and property don't change. The ideals don't change. Rather, it is how committed we are to the ideals that makes the changes in society. That's what we're going to talk about. So how do we restore the ideal of individual and economic freedom in education? Well, obviously, you're not going to change this whole system overnight. Uh, you know, people say, let's abolish the public school system. Well, I agree with that, but it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, so you commit personally to what you can do personally and then begin to model that and persuade others from that. And the first step that you can take can be stated very simply. And for many people it can be performed tomorrow if they're willing. Don't accept the benefit. Don't accept the apparent benefit that comes with government control. If you don't want the trap, as we've said, don't take the cheese. And so in this scenario it is pull your children out of public school. Now you may say, uh, if you've never thought of this, that it sounds crazy, especially in the grand scheme of things. You may think education, well that's the one area that's not so bad. I can leave that alone for the time being while we go over here and fix the really big problems that need to be fixed in Washington. And of course that mentality has been around for well over a century and look how much has been fixed. Okay, It's a myth. It's totally backwards. If you can't rein in the socialism in your own house and in your own county, and your family's complicity in that, okay, you don't have a chance at all of changing anything greater than that. And if you did change Washington first, it wouldn't matter because you'd still be practicing socialism in your own house, in your own county, in your own state. So why do I say this is the one area that you can take control over now? Why do I say it's the first point of which uh, you must start. Uh, why do I say it's the one area that you can have the greatest impact right now? Well, here's why. In later talks, we're going to talk about things like uh, the role of the Supreme Court, okay, the Federal Reserve System, fiat money, the uh, Constitution. You can't change these things. Okay? You don't have any control over what currency you use. Unless, of course, you live in a very tightly controlled community that relies purely on barter. But uh, here's a nota bene, not even the Amish do that. Okay. You have absolutely no power to change those things. You have very little in the way of alternatives at this point. For all practical purposes in those areas, we're stuck with tyranny. Although, not to be too pessimistic, uh, we will discuss things that we can do in uh, of that type in the future, in a future talk, and steps that we can take to work it out. But 
in things going on at the federal level, the best you can do right now is vote in many cases. And that vote is one vote among a couple hundred million. And so that's about like thinking you're going to stop a tsunami by building a sandcastle. Okay. Okay. But in the area of education, you can take nearly complete control of it right here and right now. There's no election required, no legislation required, no vote impending, no amendment to the Constitution required. You don't have to hire a lawyer to do it. You don't have to call your congressman. There's no legal, social, or economic barrier preventing you from being free in this area. It is purely 100% a lifestyle decision. And that's why I say, if we don't reassert liberty here first, we won't really do it anywhere else. It'll show, show us that we're not serious about doing it. Because if you're not willing to make changes when and where we can, uh, then, then you certainly won't do it where you can't. If we're not willing to make the sacrifices in our lifestyle necessary in order to take personal responsibility in an area that's right in front of us, where it's perfectly legal, legal and able, able to be done, then anything beyond that's an absolute parade of showmanship. In such a case, uh, here's what we're doing. We're devoting tons of time and effort and maybe even money to things that can only have marginal effects at best, while yet neglecting the one thing that can have major effects, only because it will cost us the devotion, and get this, of a little extra time and effort and money to do so. Okay, so we'll spend countless hours and energy going to political campaigns and rallies and speeches and waving flags and signs and passing out buttons and bumper stickers, watching the news every night to see what politician on what side said what and posting the video on YouTube and sharing it on Facebook and all this kind of stuff, reports and interviews and news clips. And we'll add our own commentary to it. We need more guys like this in office. You know, I wish this guy was the president. Uh, you know, or, or the converse of that. You know, we countless thousands of criticisms we can throw at these things, and I do it too. Uh, but why do we react this way to a society that's not free, instead of concentrating our time and energy on taking back what freedom, uh, where we're perfectly free to do so, uh, and that we can begin? and it's right there in front of us to take. Okay, that speaks volumes as to why we're in the shape we're in. Okay, we've taken the benefit. We take the easy way out, the path of least resistance. And our attempts after that to regain freedom at farther levels simply reflect that lower complacency. Okay, it's easy to mount a bumper sticker. It's easy to go to a rally. It's easy to get in a group and shout at the marble facade of a state building uh, that houses corrupt politicians and pretend we're making progress. There is some effect to it, by the way. I don't mean to deny that. Uh, but it's easy to click on that internet link. It's easy to share on Facebook. It's easy. We do what is easy. But homeschool a child? Pay for private school? Uh, oh, we've got a thousand reasons why we wouldn't, shouldn't, couldn't do such a thing. And I'm telling you that in all but a minority of cases, those thousands of reasons are all excuses. Okay, we have to work for liberty. We have to make efforts where we can. All government must begin with self-government. We've all heard that. And the moment you believe it's legitimate to use law to govern someone else, 
so as to benefit yourself, you've sown the seeds of the destruction of Christianity and liberty. And it just so happens that the easy way out means just that. It is the destruction of Christianity and liberty. And we have to reassert individual responsibility where we can. And you can. If ever there were an area of life in which people today need to hear the mantra, yes, we can, it's in the area of reasserting individual control in education. So what does this mean on a personal level? Well, it'll defend, uh, depend, of course, on your personal situation, your family situation. Uh, it will depend on what alternative to government school you choose. Now, I personally favor homeschooling for a variety of reasons. But you may decide private schooling is the best for, for your family. Fine. Now the purpose is to not argue over the alternatives. The purpose is in any decision to reassert individual control over it, which means individual liberty. And by that, to begin the end of civil government domination of, of education and civil government coercion, and in fact all coercion in which someone forces someone else to do it their way. So let's consider a few case examples of these personal scenarios. In an ideal scenario, there is a traditional family in which the husband works, the wife is able to stay home and school the children. In a traditional family setting like that, if children are, are uh, currently in government schools, the only changes that need to be made are very minor, especially if the decision is simply to switch to a private school. Okay. Here, the only changes are simply logistical. Decide what school you want, enroll the kids, and get them going. And of course, the greatest burden is going to be paying a, uh, the tuition, which is going to mean simply revising the budget. Even a homeschooling uh, in that scenario is, is easy. Uh, and, and by the way, it's a lot cheaper. The mother, or in some cases, the father who, who's ever staying home, simply needs to get encouraged to do it and equipped to start doing it. And the encouragement can be found in many places. Churches, support groups, co-ops, organizations, uh, and there are a lot of organizations devoted to home education. All it takes is a phone call. Okay? And the same people in the institutions that can uh, direct you, uh, that can encourage you in that, in that way, can direct you to a million curriculum and teaching resources to get equipped. And even my organization, American Vision, sells quite a few of those as well. So all it takes to find plenty of both of these things is an internet search. Really, that's how you get started. And in this case, there is no reason not to do it. And for the Christian, uh, it could be argued persuasively that it's sinful not to do it. Uh, now, of course, the traditional family scenario clearly is not the majority of cases today. Most traditional-like families that are even close to that today are also two-income families. And the children, if they're not at public school, are younger and they're in daycare. And in these cases, the decision whether to private school or homeschool, either one, is going to mean revising the budget. You know, private school obviously will require tuition, uh, but homeschooling will require either hiring a private nanny and tutor, or more commonly, it's going to mean one of the parents staying home. But a parent staying home, of course, means at least a reduction to part-time salary for that parent and likely a forfeiture of the second income completely. Okay, now I have to tell you, this is the most common resistance I hear 
in regard to homeschooling by people who have their children in public schools. Because they always say that the family needs all of both incomes in order just to meet, make ends meet. All right. And I got to be honest with you that while I know that's the case in some cases, uh, I am highly skeptical that it's truly as frequent as I hear it. Okay. In most of the cases that I've heard of this, uh, I, that I've encountered, the so-called two-income-dependent family has a large suburban home, a very comfortable lifestyle to match it. All right. Now, if families require two incomes in order to maintain this fairly cushy lifestyle, all right, and yet this makes government taxation for child care and education necessary, then don't we need to, be start, to start asking questions about the lifestyle? In this scenario, the taxation is not so much subsidizing education as it is subsidizing their comfort and their cable TV and whatever else comes along with that. A nice little blender, I don't know. And it's really the case, it's really the case that the total of both incomes are, are not necessary. Or should I, should I be more charitable and put that in the form of a question? Is it the case? Is it really the case that... Uh, both incomes are absolutely necessary just to cover living expenses, house payments, utility bills, insurance, et cetera. All right? I don't know. Uh, in some cases, like I said, yes, that's probably true. But in some cases, is it not the case that some cutbacks here and there, sacrifices in that lifestyle, tightening the budget across the board a little bit across the board, may just be the right thing to do for the cause of freedom? Okay, what is the price of freedom after all? Is the price of freedom that we live at the extremity of our means while passing off the fundamental aspects of life like education to be funded by other people through taxes? And even in a case where two-income family honestly does require the fullness of both incomes just in order to survive, to make ends meet, should not there be some soul searching into the way uh, such a lifestyle is funded and the type of lifestyle anyway, if it depends on taxation? Okay. Should not there also be a question about living beyond our means at the expense of other people in general? Okay. Is that a moral and a right? Is that freedom? But in addition to this, of course, there are the, the really actually difficult cases, uh, and in which I regard anyway, and that's single parent families. How in the world can we expect a single parent to work and provide the necessities of life, and at the same time, homeschool? Right? How can we expect a single mom to be able to afford the type of salary that will pay for a private school? Well, I don't think that latter issue is as difficult as the homeschool issue, certainly not. A single mom is really not a whole lot different than a single income, uh, a one income household in the sense of the amount of income coming in and the burden necessitated on that to pay private school institution. And in these cases, by the way, many churches which have private schools will give discounts to church members. Uh, but at any rate, many private school institutions are not that much higher than daycare rates. So a single mom who's working just to keep her kid in daycare and pay the bills is not going to have a huge jump when she moves them to private school. But the homeschooling single mom is, uh, is a dilemma, and it is definitely difficult. Okay? And yet, even here, 
even here, uh, depending on state requirements, depending on what state you're in, nothing says you have to homeschool during the day. I mean, you can find the required number of hours in the afternoon and in the evening. In fact, I personally know at least one business class working woman uh, who was single and had a child and she successfully homeschooled that child on into her, their teenage years. So I know it can be done. I'm not saying it's easy by any means. I don't want to make light of that, but it can be done. The only real question here is the same question at the root of all of these cases, and it's this. What lifestyle changes are you willing to make in order to restore freedom in this area? Okay. What sacrifice are you willing to make to restore freedom? So here are just a few practical tips. All right. Here are a few practical steps. First, educate yourself on the matter. Educate yourself uh, to the process of beginning, of managing your decision after, after it's made, whether it's going to be homeschool or private school. Follow the track. Really, the easiest way here to begin is, like I said earlier, go to Google. Type in something like, uh, how do I get started homeschooling? And then add to that the name of your state, because like I said, every state has slightly different laws. So you put that in there, you hit return, and I'm promising you you're going to be able to choose from a huge endless list of helpful sites, and the top few are probably going to be professional organizations that are very popular in your state, and, uh, and they'll all be helpful. Okay, uh, now for example, uh, in, the, in my state for example is uh, Georgia, and if you do the same process I just told you, you'll get several things at the top of the list, and one of them is going to be the Georgia Home Educators Association. All right? Now, I'm not plugging them. I don't have any particular uh, connection to them. I'm just saying that's how it works out. The big boys are usually at the top of the list. All right? Study especially the relevant laws for compulsory attendance, and usually these organizations are helpful in that regard for reporting and all the things necessary to run a home school. All right, now find out exactly how to initiate your homeschool locally, if that's necessary, and what is required of you beyond that. Okay, now once you get that in place, those same organizations really will probably be able to direct you to all kinds of resources that are available for curriculum in all price ranges, and I would suggest you spend some time. Read reviews, talk with people online, ask questions, go to conventions or, or support groups, talk to people in person, get advice, get opinions. Uh, talk with people that know. And when all this is done, make your educated decision. Okay? And then once that's in place, write the letters to your superintendent, establishing your order, whatever it is. Order the necessary books. Start the process. Make the investments that are required in time and in money. Okay? Now here is a tip on this one. Now, there are a lot of big package curriculums out there. You can spend $1,000 to buy an all-in-one curriculum for one year if that's what you wanted to do. Certainly don't have to spend that money anywhere near that money, but you can. And I would suggest not doing that because if you get halfway through it and you find out it doesn't work for your child or you don't like the content or uh, you don't like the books or any, anything you have any problem with it, uh, then you're stuck with having spent a thousand bucks on it and, and it will have wasted your money essentially. Uh, most people I know, including myself and my wife, prefer to design their own curriculum piece by piece as they go along. Uh, that's just one more level of freedom. Okay. Now also, get some books for yourself. Okay. Learn how to become more than just someone who's ambling into homeschooling and trying to go through the motions, which does happen to some people. Okay. 
Instead, learn how to become an effective communicator, uh, learn to be a good teacher, learn to be a good planner, learn to be a good organizer, learn how to occupy your child's time when they're bored, and learn how to become a good scholar yourself. Okay? Improve yourself as much as you improve your child. And an old preacher told me years ago that you can never lift someone higher than you can reach. And that's true. So improve yourself. Improve your reach. Okay. So educate yourself and then make the investment and then start doing it. All right. Just jump in and start doing it. That's the most important thing. It's more important than trying to get everything in a row and everything perfected and then start. Because if that's what you want, you'll never start. All right. And yes, you're going to make mistakes. Of course you're going to make mistakes. Uh, but you'll learn from those mistakes. They're not going to hurt anybody. And the child will learn from the changes, and, and they will see you learning to adapt to changes and mistakes, and that's a great experience. Okay? Everybody's going to be better for this. But the point is to start. Okay? There will always be more to learn down the road, uh, no matter how good you are, by the way. There's always more to learn down the road. Now, in addition to taking back individual and family control, to the extent that we can already, we should also educate ourselves in regard to the larger picture. Okay. There could certainly be, we could uh, hope for there to be, further political goals at which to aim, beginning at the local level. Now, like I said, an, an ultimate goal could be to abolish all public taxation and funding for schools in general. Uh, get the civil government completely out of the market of education. But immediate, and I think very proper and honest and fair step in the meantime would perhaps be a law that exempts anyone from property tax who is private schooling or homeschooling their children already. No one uh, should be taxed to pay for anyone else's education, uh, but especially people who already pay such high personal costs in time and money and effort. Uh, to take care of their own should not have to bear the added costs of others on top of that. Okay, As it currently stands, people like me and other homeschoolers and private schoolers who do bear those costs are bearing what is essentially double the tax burden. Okay, Now not only would this proposal be economically fair for those who already pay for their own, but that fairness in itself would become an incentive for more people to pull out of public school. And that may be what frightens politicians more than anything, I don't know. But for more people to become private tutors and teachers and create more private schools, this can only be a good thing. Uh, when more and more property owners realize that they can afford a more than adequate homeschool curriculum for way less than the price of their property taxes, they would certainly want to move in that direction uh, as quickly as possible, many of them. And of course, that's not to mention all the further benefits of homeschooling that come along with it. And if more people moved into the private school market, in addition to the homeschool market, not only would the options increase like we talked about earlier, uh, but a range of levels of affordability would arise more clearly and it would be there to serve people who wish to afford more or less tuition. In other words, lower classes would also have options as well. And depending on your status and property, uh, when the market reaches an equ equilibrium, uh, which I mean is what's going to happen when the distortion of the state's monopoly on education is taken out of the way, okay, you would soon be able to afford yearly tuition at a nice private school easily 
for the amount of your property taxes. Okay, and that's considering the average middle class property owner. Okay, this is probably already true for many people depending on the person and the school they would wish to uh, attend. <sighs> if the essential monopoly of government over education is broken, a free market in education, uh, considering all of today's technology, all of the vast information resources, free vast information resources, that free market would produce options we probably can't even imagine currently. I envision charitable organizations starting schools that surpass public schools in capability and efficiency and serve even the poorest of the poor. And that they do so in a way that's superior to the one-size-fits-all model of government education. We should also, if we were to consider the political side, uh, look further into revenues. This is an interesting area. You know, we get all upset about Washington overrunning its budget. Come down to your county and ask for an itemized budget of your county's expenses and especially the school district. Okay. Uh, I've just discussed the personal exemptions which make perfect sense obviously. Uh, but we are in this project uh, doing this project in the context of county rights, right? Uh, restoring America county by county. And the county is the fundamental unit of government in America. Uh, and the sovereignty of the county is what we need to pay attention to. The sovereignty of the county administration is going to be compromised to the extent that it accepts funding from higher levels of government, the state or the federal level which always, by the way, come with mandates and regulations and other strings attached and tens of thousands of forms and paperwork and bureaucrats attached. Okay. In order truly to reassert local district control, which is the basis, after all, behind most people saying our schools are different, uh, the source of funding must remain always and only local. Okay. But the truth is that nationwide, most local school districts received less than half of their funding from local level. More than half of it comes from the state level, about 10% of it from the feds, and only about a 40% roughly, depending on the state, comes from local taxation. Now, of course, all of this is a tax bill that's picked up by the taxpayers in general. But when higher and higher levels of government are in control of those revenues, the money all gets pooled together and homogenized and then reapportioned to districts in a more equal way than it was collected. Uh, in other words, uh, it's one more deceptive way to redistribute wealth, okay? Local districts should reassert control and could do so by refusing to accept handouts. And of course, this would take pressure from the community, on the school boards, on the local administrators. And again, it's going to take a willingness on the part of all who are involved to sacrifice personally and to make do with the limitations of their own means but it should be done, and it, uh, and it could be done. And it should come in addition to local and state and federal exemptions for anyone not directly using the system, uh, but rather homeschooling or private schooling already. Okay, the goal is to exercise what freedom we can in the area of education, and in doing so, create a movement that will make socially viable uh, make it socially viable to free up education completely. Now this, I realize, is, a, is not a walk in the park. 
but it is the easiest thing we can do right now in the effort to restore America. It's sitting there right in front of us waiting to be done. And all it takes is a little commitment, a little sacrifice. So what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you considering important? All right. Do you consider important freedom or integrity or honesty? Can these things be compromised for the cause of convenience and comfort on your part? Should they be? All right. That is the question at the root of restoring America one county at a time. And it begins with the issue of education.